Salutations. This is the Untitled Josh Cast, episode number 32. My name is Josh Gershman. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and co-Josh, Josh Hammond. Sort of. The video doesn't seem to believe that I am here. You're here with us in spirit and in mostly audio form. I need a spirit. This is our weekly podcast where we discuss what's been going on in our lives and try to have a little bit of fun while doing it. To interact with the show and for updates on future episodes and other fun stuff, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at JoshCastPod. You can also catch us weekly at twitch.tv slash untitledjoshcast, where we stream at least once a week, usually Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. By following us there, you'll be notified whenever we go live. And as I mentioned, following us on Twitter and Instagram is also the best place for scheduling updates. If you like what you hear and would like to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash untitledjoshcast. So today, since we are recording here right before Thanksgiving, we are going into Thanksgiving week, we're going to do this episode all about food. So our favorites and least favorites and Desert Island last meals and holiday food memories and things like that. Uh, I thought that was appropriate for this time of year Um, and because we are good at planning episodes, but then when we have a gap in the plan... We uh, sometimes have to come up with things at the last minute and uh, then, hey, it's Thanksgiving. Let's talk about food. So, you know, it's, it works. It works for us. For this episode, we'll obviously have the two of us to ramble on about food, but also uh, Lucy, one of our producers, is also here um, to join us in the food discussion because why have two when you can have three people on the podcast? I'm very excited to talk about all things food. Can't wait. Um, I kind of want to start I kind of want to start with least favorites because uh, like I, I, I'm very curious. I'm, I really, I'm just really curious about that. I'm going to start. For me, um, there really aren't a lot of things that I don't like or that I won't eat. I'm not at all a picky eater. The, the one thing that I can't get down with uh, is pudding. So pudding, it's the texture. Like pudding, it's like the, the texture in that it has no texture and it's just like this this gooey kind of like formless blob and it just like it just I just can't I can't do it. I would not just I don't want to describe it because like people might be listening to this in their car and they'll like have to turn off the road or something. I, I just can't do it. Um, Jello, which is like obviously like a cousin of the pudding. Jello's fine because like it has some texture. It has some body. Sometimes it has fruit or staplers stuck inside of it. It's got like, it, there's a little bit more to it than there is in pudding. I, I just can't get down with it. And like the, sometimes I have the same issue with like, re, like if there's too much cheese on something and it gets like really melty, I get like the very, the very similar, just kind of like gooey text, gooey lack of textureness um, that it just doesn't feel good to me. So that's like really the only thing. I pretty much eat everything else. If you cut up bananas and crunch out vanilla wafers and put them in vanilla pudding, can you eat the pudding because it then has a texture? So the answer is no, but 
I do like the occasional cream pie because like that, like a, like a cream pie, like a coconut cream pie, for instance, has the same lack of texture, but it's not as dense. Like it's very airy, like, uh, like it's just a little bit denser than whipped cream. And so like that with the pie accoutrements, your crust, your toasted, whatever is your crumbled things that I have, that I'm happily to get happily, uh, uh, we'll get down with, but Pudding is too thick and dense and textureless for me. I can't do it. I mean, I have a weird similar thing. It's not pudding because I love pudding. <laughs> but I don't mind avocados. Like if avocado is in my sushi, I don't I don't give a shit. That's fine. It's logical. It makes sense. It's holding everything together. Cool. But don't you dare put guac on my Mexican food. Like, don't do it. It's disgusting. It's chunky. It should not be there. You should not torture the avocado and make it little tiny pieces of guac. Also, why does it have a different title? Like, it's still avocado. Like, don't fucking trick me. This is horseshit. <laughs> I mean, right. yes, but also, hold on. But potatoes are more than just like you there are so many different things you can make out of them that is the reason why guacamole is guacamole and not avocado like there's other ingredients it's not avocado mash i get it but i like fries and i like potatoes that's fine i'm saying it's weird i've admitted that it's weird i understand that it doesn't make sense i was just i was just clarifying your question about the title of, of it being called guacamole with a different name it's there, literally just a smashed avocado. It's not though. No, there's, not. there's other ingredients. Hard, a, I got to put a stop to that right now. That's what not else is happening. in it. Okay. First, uh, you got lime juice, you got salt, uh, you got cilantro, little diced onion, maybe a little diced tomato, maybe a diced jalapeno. There's a lot of things. I mean, for me, I'm going like, I think you can tell where I'm going with this. I'm a big fan of guacamole. I will put lots of things in guacamole. Um, no. And it's delicious. And I will put it on my Mexican food. Thank you very much. Now, I don't no. I, I will not. I can't claim if that is a authentically Mexican thing or if that's something that we have invented in the U.S. I'm not really sure about that, but I'm putting it on on just about everything. It can go back to wherever it was invented because uh, Kentucky, I don't care. Like wherever we came up with it, it can stay there. OK, uh, I, I humbly request that if you are presented with any rogue guacamole that you just send it to me. Okay. I will take I, care of it. I will mail it to you. It's going to smell like shit when you open the box, <laughs> but I will, I will mail it to you. Symbolically send it to me. Got it. Holiday related because I understand, I guess pudding is kind of holiday related sort of if you put the word figgy in front of it, I guess, but sweet potatoes, don't bring your weak ass sweet potatoes to my dinner. There's no reason to even bring that into the conversation. Also, I don't know what a yam is, but like, no, literally mashed potatoes and gravy all day. Like don't, don't short people by trying to be healthy with that sweet potato fries. Bullshit. No potatoes, starch, Midwest, leave me alone. All right. But, um, I have to insert on behalf of all sweet potato lovers, which is that sweet potatoes are not, I don't believe any inherently healthier than regular potatoes. 
Uh, I, there, it's still starch and it's still all carbs. I think it's maybe slightly less carbed than a regular potato, uh, but it's not healthy. Let's be clear about that. It's not a healthy alternative to a like a regular potato. It's just a different potato. It has a, it has a different taste, but also a different texture to it. it I I did not like sweet potatoes before doing Whole30. And then once I had to figure out ways to incorporate more, like I always loved potatoes. So the fact that Whole30, I could have as much potatoes as I wanted. I tried using sweet potatoes. What I learned is I do not like sweet potatoes if they're mushy. So if I make them as fries, they need to be really, really crunchy and crispy. Otherwise, I'm not the biggest fan. It has something to do with the texture. I So, so I don't like mashed sweet potatoes. Can. Mashed non-sweet potatoes, like mashed uh, white potatoes or gold potatoes, I'll eat those all day. Mashed sweet potatoes, I don't like, but like sweet potato fries or like a cubed roasted sweet potato, I'm a big fan of. That's fair. All I'm saying is you took away the healthy approach and all I was doing was trying to give sweet potatoes a reason to exist. And you've taken that away from them too. So now we can just, we can put them over in the avocado guacamole <laughs> section and I'll mail those to you also. Thank you. The potatoes will travel. They're very, they're very hearty vegetable. That's fair. Okay. Lucy, it's time. It's your turn for your <laughs> least favorite food item. Well, so I will say uh, I did look up where avocados or wh where did guacamole come from? Oh, and it was it was made by um, uh, Mexico. It, Mexico. Hey. Made by Mexico. <laughs> it was invented in Mexico. So okay. that is the thing. It is correct. It is actually not like an Americanized thing. Uh, that that was the phrase that I was looking for. Um, I am allergic to avocados, so I don't have uh, much to say there. I used to like it when it was in my sushi, and then uh, I became allergic to it. I have a lot of allergies, so a lot of things that people tend to enjoy or hate, I just can't have. Um, I have so the texture thing um, in like regular food, a texture thing that I will eat if it is cold or if it's cooked is I'm Italian. So mozzarella, love it. I do not like mozzarella if it is just sitting on the table, like on a plate and warm, if it is not cooked on something else. Like in my family, my uncle makes homemade mozzarella and we he would bring it over after it was made and everyone loves to eat it when it's warm. I can't do it. Like it needs to be cooked on some top of something if it's warm. It's just, I don't know. Um, the other texture thing for me is octopus. Okay. It is something that my brother and I have said since we were younger. It has something to do with the tentacles. It is just another thing that is like Italians love it and I just can't deal with it. Um, I don't really have one, I think, for like the holidays. But my weird food story is um, it took me 20 something years to get to the point where I can finally eat asparagus again. Um, because when I was younger, um, my mom made, my mom would make asparagus all the time, but like she's, she made it for Thanksgiving. Like that's one of the things that she would make and she would make it just like as a part of our regular dinner. We would had at one point we had an iced tea container on our table and whoever it was that used it before me didn't actually close the lid properly. So when I went to pour it, the lid popped off and the iced tea spilled everywhere, including in the dish with the asparagus. And because I'm the one that made the mess, I was then forced to eat the asparagus that was now drenched in the iced tea. 
And it was the most disgusting thing I've ever had in my life. It sounds so stupid, but like it traumatized me for 20 something years until my brother's fiance made asparagus in like a completely different way. And I was like, well, obviously with less to none iced tea, tea. yeah, (laughs) but made it in a way that like was actually good. I was like, I could eat this again now. I was just it. Yeah. That, that was a very traumatizing story about asparagus. Yeah. That's not what I was it's, expecting. No. Yeah. It's a weird thing. I had to explain it to her when she made it because I didn't want to eat it. And she's like, try it. And I ended up liking it, but it took me 20 something years to get to that point. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I, did, I was not expecting that story. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. Octopus, I do like though. I'm a fan. It's, uh, all right. there, it's just something about the texture. And also my grandpa used to make it um, in our house. And the way that typically a lot of people use it is by like, at, like cooking it in vinegar. And the smell of that throughout the house was just way too much for me. So that, I think it just strong. overall is just something that I tend to avoid. Fair. That's fair. Do you, you're Italian. Do you like calamari? Yes. The calamari is different. You cook it different. Yeah, okay. it has a different texture too. Yes. However, when we have calamari, my brother and I are both, we are the people who do this in our family. We do not eat the little tentacles. That is, it's just, I can't do it. I don't know why. Okay. No tentacles for Lucy. I yeah. agree with you though. Cheese is supposed to be cold. Yeah. I'm yes. a big fan Unless it is fresh, fresh mozzarella. It's got to be cold though. Yeah. If it is cooked and like on top of something and it's warm great but like i i will not eat it if it is sitting on the table and is just warm it's 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 strange and any cheese really but specifically mozzarella because it already has like that texture no can't do it yeah warm cheese is called a nacho and i support it (laughs) nachos were invented in the u.s uh and god bless them because they're delicious okay moving on Let's do, uh, let's, uh, let's go into beverages. So here's my questions for the group here. First is, are you a coffee person or a tea person or a both person? And the second part of the question is your like favorite, I'll say favorite alcoholic beverages because we, we all like to imbibe from time to time. I have very, I have very strong opinions about this coffee tea thing. Please, you go first then. Um, I lean coffee. I lean coffee very strongly. I don't like tea. I don't like tea at all. Um, there are exceptions. I don't mind Earl Grey. Um, that's pretty much it that I can think of off the top of my head. To me, tea tastes like dirty water. So I really struggle with it. Like, especially if it's iced tea, because like, just drink a glass of water. Like you're, it's literally dirty water. So I don't, I don't understand what I, people love it. People love tea, sweet tea. They love sun tea, hundred different types of tea. I've tried all of them trying to like them because I think that it's something that I should like. And every time I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? This is not okay. Those are some hot tea takes. Also, I have to say for the one tea that you'll drink is like a very strong flavor that is not like any other kinds of tea. Earl Grey is not like any other kind of tea. And as a tea person myself, 
Earl Grey is one of my least favorite teas, so it's very surprising well, that it's your favorite. It's not surprising at all. It tastes like coffee. It's so strong, it tastes like coffee. Josh, but, hot, hot tea take Hammond over here. I also <laughs> like chai tea, but I don't really consider that tea. Okay. It's like considering a frappuccino coffee. It's not the same. Chai is a, chai is a very different kind of a beverage. Yes. Absolutely. All right. What, let's uh, let's uh, hit me with your, with your alcohol picks. I mean, everybody knows that my alcoholic pick is a, is a mojito. Like, I love mojitos, but if I'm not going to get a mojito, like if I go to a bar and they're like, we don't have fucking mint, what is wrong with you? <laughs> go go to, um, I'll do pineapple and vodka a lot. I do whiskey and Coke a lot. Um, I became adjusted to when I did keto, I liked whiskey and water, which was cool. It surprised me, but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Yeah. Um, I cannot drink amaretto. I had an experience when I was 12 where I broke into my mom's liquor cabinet and drank all the amaretto. I mean, who among us haven't done, hasn't done that and threw up all over the place. So I officially, if somebody like eats an amaretto candy, I am sick for the next week. Have you ever had an amaretto sour? Yeah, it smells like amaretto and it instantly makes me sick. Well, that's the thing. You're not supposed to drink. You're not supposed to drink it straight. Like, yeah, I mean, presumably that you could, but it's a it's it's it benefits more from being mixed into things. You definitely can. And I did. And I did it. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, Lucy, the complete opposite uh, tea reaction here, I expect from you. Yeah, well. I, I never liked coffee. Again, my brother and I are the weird people in our family as Italians who never liked coffee. Like it just was never something that we were accustomed to. So we tend to go towards tea instead. Um, I also started drinking a lot more tea when I was in college because I was struggling with migraines and chronic migraines. And at the time, there's essentially no cure for migraines. There are a lot of things you could do to try and help it. But the the main thing that they tell you to do is to try and figure out what is triggering a migraine. And so a lot of people would assume it's caffeine. So I started transitioning to having um, caffeine-free tea. And like that was the majority of what I drank for a while until I realized that caffeine also helps migraines. It's a very weird thing to experience. Um, but I started drinking a lot more tea in college and, uh, vanilla chai is one that I like every now and then chai is, I don't mind it. Um, I don't like Earl Grey, but my favorite tea, like my typical tea order that I will get is from Starbucks and I will get their passion tea, um, unsweetened preferably. It is very good. Um, it is, it's my go-to. However, within the last year and a half, probably I've started to drink more coffee, um, because I noticed that if I needed a surge of energy in the middle of the day or even first thing in the morning, because I have issues with sleeping sometimes, it has been very helpful. Um, but my journey of finding what type of coffee that I enjoyed was a long one because I would text friends and ask them what their suggestions were on how to order coffee in a way that would make it taste less as least like coffee as possible. That makes so sense. it's more of yeah, I I like I love the smell of coffee. That is, I just really love it. Um, as far as taste, it's just really I try to 
I don't like Dunkin' Donuts coffee because sometimes I feel like it's just like watered down, but Starbucks coffee is very bitter. So I'm somewhere in the middle where no matter where I order it from, I have to try and kind of like mix and match things to make it more accustomed to me. So my coffee taste is something I'm just adjusting to. You sound like a morning blend or a blonde type of person. I've had blonde and I do not like it. Huh. Which is surprising. I, I really, it, I think it's very difficult for me because it's, it really is just trying to become accustomed to a new taste. So after five or six different times ordering from Starbucks, I finally have one that I really enjoy. And it was one that uh, Josh had initially gotten. And then I just altered a little bit to make it more of something that I would like a little bit more. So it's, it's just kind of been how that's gone for me. I've also tried cold brew recently. Um, which has been another journey. I keep forgetting to make a new batch. So I have an old one in my fridge from like three weeks ago. Um, so I know, so I'm doing great. I always, <laughs> I also always forget when I'm supposed to take it out, like the actual bag, the filter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just a process. I don't hate either anymore. I never, I never, I, I kind of hated coffee when I was younger. I hated the taste of it, but now I don't hate either. It's just something that I am adjusting to. Um, as far as alcohol goes, so ironically, <laughs> this seems to be a very ironic episode. Um, my go-to drink until I was, I mean, I would, if I went to like family parties or whatever, like the go-to drink that I would get before I turned 21 was an amaretto sour. <laughs> that was the first drink that I ever ordered out again, pre 21. Um, I think I was like 14 and one of my cousins had ordered it at a party and gave it to me. And the way that he had prefaced it is by saying it tastes like fruit loops and it kind of does kind not does. completely. But it kind of does. And so as like a 14 year old, I was like, okay. So anytime we went to a family party, that was what I would get. Um, Post that, like actual drinks that I would order nowadays, um, my go-to, it tends to be, um, I love Moscow Mules, um, also really into margaritas. Um, I recently started to enjoy mojitos but i have yet to actually make one fresh yet so that is different and gin and tonics i will order sometimes depending on where i go because they it's it's very hit or miss because some places you go it's terrible and other places you go it's it's not that bad i also however learned it took me a very long time that when having a gin and tonic they almost always give you lime it is important to squeeze the lime into your drink and mix it Otherwise, it will not taste great at all. So I'm just Josh. You were shaking your head during the gin and tonic discussion here. He's not a gin, fan. Gin smells like pine salt. It does, but again, it does. It depends on where you get it and what type of gin. I don't like all types. I've gone. I've had it many times before where I've had it and like after one sip I couldn't do it. Um, I've gone to other places where I've enjoyed it so much that I. Um, got drunk off of it you know it just just happens gin so is, gin is the, the thing about gin is that it's not one thing like yeah. gin by its nature is made up of like dozens of different things and you if if you're interested you need to find the gin that you like and so for exactly. me i love a good gin and tonic but i have there's only two gins that i'll drink um uh, 
One is is New Amsterdam because I find it to be much more citrusy than other gins. I don't like Ryan Reynolds for all the things I love about him. I'm not a fan of aviation gin. It's much too dry uh, and um, herby for me. Not a fan. Ryan Reynolds can do everything else. I'm just not a fan of aviation gin. Not like he's sitting there over the still mixing it up. But just as a comparison, that's a very dry gin. The ones that I like, New Amsterdam, very citrusy. The, my favorite, favorite gin is called Grey Whale. Uh, it's made in California. It's fantastic. And it, like it's made with all California ingredients. So like the almonds and limes and seaweed. And that's like you I highly recommend it. Not a sponsor of the podcast, but got not for lack of trying. Uh, right after this episode, when I emailed them to be like, hey, uh, I was talking about you on my podcast. Um, I yeah. was in San Diego last year. Seems like a lifetime ago. And um, I was at the hotel bar. And I didn't know what to want. I didn't know what I wanted. So I'm like, oh, can I have a gin and tonic? And then the waitress asked, well, what kind of gin would I like? Which is also important. Like you have to know what you want so that you can know what to turn down. That's the thing. I have not learned that. So I have gone, I've gone to places and had really shitty gin and tonics because I don't know what to order, what types that actually order. So the waitress uh, said, what kind of gin would you like? And I said, do you have New Amsterdam? And she said, no. And then she proceeded to read off like a list of like the six to eight most popular gin brands, none of which I'm a fan of because they're all very dry and herby and like, that's not really my jam. And then she was like, oh, we have this local gin. It's called Grey Whale. And I'm like, let's do that one. And then like multiple gin and tonics later, I'm like, I really need to find some of this. And so when I came back from that trip, I had to, I had to find a liquor distributor that would import some imported from California because they weren't, they weren't um, distributing here on the East coast yet. That's my story about gin. Grey Whale Gin, I'm going to be emailing you later to tell you the high praise that I have reaped upon you. Um, okay. Uh, I'll start on the alcohol side since I've been talking about gin <laughs> for five minutes already. My my go-to is, is, is bourbon and whiskey. I prefer my brown liquors. Uh, I'm a big fan of those. Again, there's in, infinite variation there. My preference is I like weeded bourbon. So bourbon and whiskey are, are required by law to be made up of like X percent corn and X percent other things. Um, among the X percent other things, uh, wheat is, is used as opposed to, uh, or in addition to corn or rye or some of the other grains that you make brown liquor out of. Weeded bourbons tend to be a little bit sweeter and they have a little bit, they're like, they just have a little bit more, they're a little bit more interesting. They still burn, but like, it's a more interesting burn. And so like Maker's Mark is a really popular weeded bourbon. Uh, Weller is, is a really popular weeded bourbon. Those are my, those are my jams that I like a whole lot. Um, and uh, in anything, a whiskey sour, an old fashioned, uh, any kind of cocktail you can put bourbon in, pretty much going to like. Um, growing up, my, my dad was, would brew his own beer. And so like we would have these cases of homemade beer in the basement. That was his thing for a while. Beer. I can't drink though. Like I just can't, I can't do it. Um, I love a good glass of wine or two, but beer, I can't get down with. 
I uh, will are- say that as again, I keep referencing the Italian thing, but it's very uh, relevant here. Um, I had to also figure out what type of wine that I liked because sure. wine, well, wine and beer. Um, I've what I've learned is with drinks in general, and this may also play into the reason why some gin and tonics I'm not a fan of. I don't enjoy things that are overly dry. Um, so wines, Italian wines tend to be extremely dry. So I've learned that I prefer more Californian wines, which are more semi-dry or semi-sweet or mm-hmm. something like that. So it's been a process overall, but I, I'm also a fan of beer. I'm, I'm a fan of most things at this point. I'm like, I will try most type of alcohol to just figure out what I actually enjoy and what I don't. That's the fun thing about wine is that it's, it's very regional. And so Mm -hmm. like a lot, there's, you'll find a lot of similarities. Um, You mentioned not liking wines from Italy. I love wines from Spain um, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as from California, Uh, California. I mean, pretty much everything grows in California, but wine in California is is also particularly good. Yeah. Um, Give me a, give me a wine flight any day and I will gladly try the different things. Oh, agreed. Absolutely. Find a winery to go to and do their tasting thing. Uh, one of the best experiences I've had. Yep. Uh, on the coffee and tea conversation, I do drink them both. I drink coffee every single day. Love coffee. I'm a big coffee fan. I only drink tea when I'm sick. That's my, that's my rule. It's like my one personal food rule. Um, it's not that I don't enjoy it. Uh, but like for me, the thing about coffee is that the the caffeine in coffee doesn't affect me. Like it's all placebo for me. Like in the morning when I get up, I'm like, I want, I, I get energized because I'm drinking the coffee and because I know I need to like, I need it to work. I can drink coffee at any time of day. I can drink coffee and fall asleep within five minutes. Like it, the the caffeine itself doesn't do it for me. Caffeine and soda, caffeine and other things does affect me. But in coffee itself, like it's all placebo. Um, but tea, tea, I'm like, I'm only going to drink it when I'm sick. So like my, my, my body, I've tricked my body into that. So that like this, it, it recognizes the tea as the healing and its healing properties to get over whatever cold or ailment I happen to be going through. Which tea is your go-to when you're sick? The only okay. one you drink? There's only one. So it's, um, it's made by Bigelow teas. They're like a huge tea producer and it's called mm-hmm. lemon lift. And so it's like lemony and it does have caffeine in it. Uh, and so to that, I'll add honey. And if I'm feeling frisky, I'll add some bourbon. Nice. Especially I, when I'm I, sick. I ask this because I feel like people's go-to tea when they're sick is just the regular like Lipton tea, mm. a regular just plain brewed tea. Um that is not my go-to. I will say Bigelow. Uh they have a lemon and ginger tea that is my favorite i went on a hunt for lemon and ginger tea to try and find one that did not have too much lemon or too much ginger it was just perfect and that is my go-to i have like four boxes of it in my cabinet if they would also like to sponsor you guys (laughs) i would not be against it all right we're gonna reach out for some gin and tea (laughs) sponsors after this after this episode uh yeah the lemon lift tea from bigelow i like a whole lot and like but it stays behind, it's behind the coffee in the cabinet. Like it's only there when I need it. Um, but I do like it, but it's like, I, I, it's, it's, it has one purpose and one purpose only. It's for when I'm sick. 
what is a really weird alcoholic drink that you like? Like, for example, I love a good pickle martini. That sounds good. I would drink that. A weird alcoholic drink that I like. Huh. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what classifies as weird. Um, Are you a fan of Bloody Marys? Because I consider those weird. No. I'm not, I'm not really. I am not. And it's it's weird that I don't like them because I love tomato juice. Yeah. Oh, weird. Okay, then that's even weirder. Yeah. I have never had any sort of drink with pickle juice in it. Although I've, I keep being told that they are the best in different varieties. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise you to put it with like your whiskey or your beer, but. <laughs> well, of course. No, that's interesting though. Um, I, well, speaking of Bloody Marys, I don't, I don't tend to drink cocktails with vodka in them um, because vodka doesn't taste like anything. It just tastes like alcohol. And so like, I like, I like things that taste like something. Um, uh, I love a good margarita and like, I like, I liked, I had to, I had to come to tequila and mezcal like much later in life when like I could appreciate them and I like them, um, because they actually taste like something and they're like, no, nothing else tastes like that. Vodka does just taste like alcohol, uh, in the same way that like really strong dry gin just tastes like alcohol to me. So I'm not, I'm not a fan. I agree with that completely. I was not a fan of vodka for a while. I, for the most part, I would have vodka with, I would mix it with like a juice of some sort, but that was more of because at certain shows that that would be like the thing that was available. Yeah. But tequila tends to be what I lean towards of the two. I mean, Um, and I don't have a weird drink. I definitely. I mean, part of the pineapple is I like the citrus taste that covers up the vodka. Sure. I think that covering up the nail polish remover taste is important. Um, That's the same reason why with a gin and tonic, having that lime juice makes all the difference. I have learned. Citrus definitely helps cancel out the alcohol taste. I can't fuck with tequila. It is the only alcohol that instead of making me the happy bubbly giggly drunk that I am it makes me testy and crumpy I I don't know why but like I just I become she-hulk like I just uh. interesting Uh, I will say this a gin and tonic its ingredients are in the name but the third ingredient that's not in the name is lime juice like it needs the lime inside of the drink not just on top of the drink very very important I had gin and tonics for a while until I went, I went out to dinner with a friend sometime, I think it was earlier this year or the end of last year. And she ordered a gin and tonic. So I did as well. And I saw her squeeze the lime into her glass. And it was the first time I've ever seen anyone do it. And I had a sip of the gin and tonic and I was like, this one is not that great. And then I added in the lime juice and I was like, holy shit, what, what is this? Why did no one ever tell me that this is the this is so crucial to making it taste good. And I felt really stupid, but now it is something that I advise everyone else to do if you're having a gin and tonic. You know, your your two drink cocktails, your rum and cokes, your scotch and sodas, those are two those are two ingredients. 
But a gin and tonic has a third key ingredient, just as important as the gin and the tonic. Okay. Um, instead of this being an alcohol-based podcast, uh, which we'll do once we have Grey Whale sponsorship money, um, or if they just want to send us gin, that'd be fine too. Uh, stay tuned next time if there's any updates on the Grey Whale sponsorship front. Anyway, instead of this being a strictly cocktail-based podcast, which we could do all day, let's now, uh, for like the last segment, let's do holiday stuff specifically because it is Thanksgiving week. Let's start with, do you have any holiday favorites other than mashed potatoes, which Josh, you've already mentioned? That's just rude. No, there's nothing else but mashed potatoes. <laughs> um, I really like stuffing. I do. Okay. I think stuffing is fantastic. Um, pies, people go all out on pie. There's nothing like a good pumpkin pie that, you know, especially if you have a bunch of cool whip on top of it. Um, I don't know. There's a big debate in the Midwest, like which meat you're supposed to eat, like ham versus turkey on the holidays. And I don't care. Meat is meat. I'll eat both of them. <laughs> um, a lot of people in the Midwest do chicken and noodles for Thanksgiving also, which I think oh, I is cool. Um, but you know, mashed potatoes is the, it's the answer. Okay. So only mashed potatoes for you. That's fine. I, I can, That's I can work with that. If literally, if nobody else brings anything else and they make mashed potatoes and gravy, I'm not going to complain. Fair. Lucy, do you have any holiday food favorites? Um, so mashed potatoes is like, an, that's just like an always, that's just like the statement. My mom one year suggested not making it. And I said that I would then make it if she planned on cutting it out because that was just rude. Um, my favorite is actually stuffing. My mom makes what I would consider to be the best stuffing um, to the point where one year for my birthday, I asked that instead of a Christmas gift, she just make me stuffing because it is that, that good. We only... We only have it on Thanksgiving. It is not made any other time of year. Um, it's just so, so good. And the other thing that is like the staple for me is uh, macaroni and cheese, but usually we would call it a macaroni and cheese casserole. My brother and I had started making it. Um, I don't know. I think I was in high school at the time. And my grandpa never liked mac and cheese. He always thought that it was just like this weird thing. Um, but the one time that he would ever eat it was on Thanksgiving. Like we would have to make sure that we saved him a piece of it. If not, he would just start taking it off of our plates. Um, but it is, it is my, it's like one of my favorite things to, to make. Um, so it's those two. And then as far as dessert goes, we don't really do pie, not, not typically for Thanksgiving, at least. Um, I always enjoy a good pie, but that's, tends to be rare to have around like on a holiday. Um, my mom makes homemade cheesecake and that is also oh. kind of like a staple thing in our house. My mom, when I was younger, used to make like an extra one and I would bring it for like my teacher. Um, she will make an extra one and bring it to her office. So that is like our, our go-to family dessert. Can you, I'm very intrigued. Can you tell me any more about the stuffing? I don't want to ask um, you to give away state secrets, but like, can you, can you tell me what's in it? Uh, there is, well, as far as, cause my mom does use the box mix in part. Uh -huh. Um, and she uses the stovetop sage, which is 
extremely difficult to find um, because a lot of stores will use every other flavoring except for sage, but somehow we can always find it at Target. So there's there's that. Um, it's just it's it's. I will send you a picture on Thanksgiving. Can't wait. Once it is made, it is just so so good. I actually don't even know the full recipe. I know some ingredients that go in it. Like I I know that there is mozzarella in it and um, a couple. I think there's at least two different meats, but I'm not fully sure on that. Um, I hope at some point to find out the recipe and steal it from my mom and um, <laughs> make it more than just on Thanksgiving because it is just so good. That is the true spirit of the holidays is stealing yes. the family recipes and making them for yourself later. Absolutely. Uh, my favorite, my favorite holiday, uh, well, and certainly Thanksgiving related uh, food item is actually also stuffing. So, it, but it's very specific. So my brother, which is actually very sad because I won't be having this this year. Um, cause I will not be dining in person with my family. My brother started doing this several years ago before, uh, this is before and he and his wife, uh, actually before they were engaged, even they were going to host Thanksgiving for the first time. And like that, this was like the first meal that, um, I don't think this was the first time. It was like the second time that my parents and then his in-laws uh, my sister-in-law's parents were going to be in the same place. I think it was like their second ever meeting it was going to be for Thanksgiving. And so my brother wanted to like do a whole thing. And so he found, he found this recipe, this method online, which he has used in the past seven, eight years. He's been doing this a long time. Uh, and it's, it's a Julia child method of preparing a turkey and stuffing. And so the way that you do it is you have your whole giant turkey. You take the legs off and like, you kind of like, take apart the turkey a little bit and then you kind of cook them not totally separately, but you took that does like different times and whatnot. But the stuffing is underneath the turkey as it cooks. And so like then by the time it's done, that stuffing is the greatest thing in the world. Uh, and like, honestly, that's what I will miss most about not having Thanksgiving with my family this year. Uh, I'm going to figure out what I can make to like replicate that as much as I can. Obviously I'm not making a whole turkey, but um, it's just so good. Also, shout out to my brother. He actually did a test turkey before Thanksgiving that first year. Uh, cause that's just like, that's the kind of guy he is. So I appreciate, you know, you got to appreciate the extra effort there. Um, and he's been doing this. He's been doing this long enough. He's got it. He's got a system down pat. He knows what to do with this turkey. Did he thaw it on the light grid? No, no. The turkey was not thawed on the light grid. That's important to point out. It was, it was fully thawed in the refrigerator ahead of time um, and then taken out and I'm sure like get up to room temperature. There was no lighting involved. There was no elevation. There was no gravity. Nobody was injured at all by a turkey falling on them from the light grid. Got it. Just had to fit our weekly Aaron Sorkin reference. In. That's very important. It's very important to point out. Um, so that's that's definitely like my favorite Thanksgiving thing. Uh, Jews love to eat at holidays. Uh, that's probably not surprising to most people. Um, one, one time, one year, this was many, 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 many years ago. I decided in my infinite wisdom that I was going to host my own Passover Seder. So Passover's in the spring and like there's a, the, the Seder is like the big part of it. So it's about like eating and ceremony and you're like doing prayers and it's like a whole big thing that you're doing during this whole thing. 
Uh, have either of you ever been to a Passover Seder, by the way? I have not, but I did go to Catholic school until I graduated high school. And in high school, they did um, like a little, not like a recreation of it, but they were trying to explain to us kind of like what it was. And they had us do like the full meal. Not It's not a meal, but it's it kind of, well, I don't know how to, what the actual thing uh, is called. Sorry. Well, it's, um, the Seder is the whole thing. So like, yeah, there's a food portion, but then there's also like a reading and prayer portion. And there's like a whole, it's a whole to do. So the food, the food portion is kind of like what they gave us. And they did like the reading portion with it mm. um, for us to kind of like get an understanding of it. But it, we did it once. So I okay. know very little. So in my infinite wisdom, I decided to host my own Passover Seder. And so what that means is you got to prepare a whole bunch of stuff like for the, for the, for the religious portion of it like there's all kinds of readings and prayers and stuff that you got to go through um but then the best part is that when you're done you can eat all of this great food and so i uh was like i'm gonna make all of the food because like it was in my apartment um and uh that's just that was what it was and so we, I, we invited a bunch of people over and this was like god 10 15 wait a second this was before 2008, just to give you an idea of how long ago this was. It was a very, very long time ago. So it might've been like 2007, 2006, very long time ago. The point is I made all the food. And so like there was a brisket and there was like some other stuff and there was, it was a whole to do, um, but that was a whole lot of fun. This year for Thanksgiving, I'm not sure what I'm gonna do. Uh, I'll figure it out. I got a couple of days. <clears throat> I have literally no plan. Okay. I'm, I'm going to order pizza, I think. I'm happy to make some mild and easy suggestions uh, if needed. So just holler. We can send you some mashed potatoes too. Actually, the one thing that my brother had requested, because our thing is, it's just my parents, my brother and I. Um, and he, well, and also my brother's fiance. Uh, he had requested that we have red lobster uh, cheddar biscuits okay. because they, they make those, you can just buy in the freezer section. However, I found the box mix and that just sounds like more fun to me. So I will be making those. It does sound fun. Please let us know how those trials turn out. I gladly will. I have two boxes of them in my kitchen right now. <laughs> um, all right. To close out this episode, uh, what are what are your like desert island last meal kind of things? Like for me, it's two it's two different things. One is like just give me all the sushi I could possibly eat, because um, like I I love sushi, but if I'm if like it's my last meal on Earth, then just like give it give it all to me. And I'll just take my time and then I'll just, and then I'll die when it's, when it's over. Um, the, my, my possible alternative to that is, uh, is just like infinite tapas. Like if you've ever been to like a really good tapas restaurant and then you just like keep getting more and more food and like you're eating, it's like, ah, uh, it's just like a great dining experience because like everything's on little tiny plates and you just keep eating and eating and eating and eating. And for me who loves food and loves to eat it, especially it's just heavenly. So those would be my two like 
last meal desert island things that are food related what are, what about you guys um well anybody that knows me knows i'm from kansas city and kansas city is clearly known for its barbecue but there is there's this meal at a place called jack stack which is one of the famous restaurants it's not my favorite one but it's more of like barbecue is known for being a little grimy a little dirty it's like the more upscale clean family friendly barbecue restaurant in kansas city and they make really good food like not taking anything away from them but something that they've invented that i had never seen before um the kansas city staple is it's called burnt burn ends so basically you take ribs you cut the tips off of the ribs then you cook them a second time to make the burnt ends of the ribs um but they've invented this amazing thing called burn-in stew where they take a little bit of barbecue flavoring the burn ends and then they put them in a stew with like potatoes and carrots and green beans and they've created this whole new like soup thing out of it and it's it's pretty amazing it's just different enough that it stands out and you know if i were getting ready to be put in you know the tennessee smoky death chamber <laughs> this is what i would ask for that does sound really good yeah it's it's that pretty it's incredible. pretty amazing it's pretty amazing it's crazy to think about like if you think about stew it takes hours to make stew anyway and then to make ribs, they've cooked these things for 12 hours. Yeah. And then it's burn in. So they've cooked it for another 12 hours. So this is this is easily a meal that's been cooked for over 24 hours to to create. I love it. That does sound really good. I could go for some of that right now. <laughs> um I don't know what mine would be. My immediate thought is literally the thanksgiving favorites which is mac and cheese because i'm i love mac and cheese so so much um but also i i truly love my mom's stuffing so much that i had asked for it for my birthday one year like it is just one of those things where if i could choose more than one thing for this meal it would probably be like homemade mac and cheese with my mom's stuffing and then some sort of potato most likely french fries like like crinkly fries or curly fries something like that because there's just something so good about potatoes once they're cooked in that way i've always been told uh and also have said myself that if i could be a food i would be a potato so yeah i don't okay. i don't have unfortunately i don't have as great of a story um or suggestion i will say i'm a big to go with the potato thing i am a, also a really big burger person and my favorite burger i ever had was in c and if i could have also that burger thrown into that meal i would do it it was a bison burger and it was the best thing i've ever had sounds good mm -hmm. all right i'm into it sushi uh burn and stew <laughs> and a mixture of things a mixture yeah. of things it's totally fine it's totally yeah. fine uh, that all sounds delicious. And now I am very hungry. However, I did also look up. I wanted to see if any celebrities had ever said what their last meals would be. Yeah. Um, there was there were not a lot that I could find, but um, the three that stood out to me 
was Jennifer Garner, who said Shake Shack, which nice. honestly, I'm not mad at that. I, I like Shake Shack. That is fair. I love Shake Shack. Um, Amy Schumer said barbecue shrimp from a specific restaurant that was in New Orleans. Okay. And Gwyneth Paltrow said oysters, cocktail sauce, and then a baked stuffed lobster and French fries. All right. Look, and that's, so that's one way to go. They they seem like, you know, just typical meals like everyone else. I have no problem with any of those suggestions at all. Oh, all right. and Ina, Ina Gardens is a hot dog from a oh. place in Paris. Love Ina. Um, she's great. I also love hot dogs. Who, 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 all right. We're not. This I is not think, a hot dog podcast. That's going to be a separate yeah. episode. I just don't think I'd want a hot dog as my last meal, but you know what? Maybe it's just that good. There is a time and a place when a hot dog is just like infinitely satisfying. Uh, Portillo's in Chicago, excellent hot dogs. Just putting that out. Chicago has great hot dogs, baseball games, hot dogs, all of those things. Yes. Death row, no hot dogs. (laughs) Yeah. I'm with you there. I'm not ordering a hot dog as my last meal, but I wouldn't mind going to Chicago. I wouldn't mind going to Portillo's first, then going to my island. That's what I'm saying. That's fair. All right. That's going to wrap up this episode. We've had a great time talking about food. I hope you have enjoyed it. I am going to go eat something because I'm very hungry now after talking for an hour about food. Surprise, surprise. Uh, That's all from us. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. If you have enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a nice rating or review on Apple Podcasts and or follow on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you happen to listen. Those things would really help us out. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter, both of which are at JoshCastPod and over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash untitledjoshcast. Once again, if you would like to support the podcast financially, you can do so at patreon.com slash untitledjoshcast. This show is written and hosted by me, Josh Gershman, and Josh Hammond. It is edited by me, and it is produced by Ryland James and Lucy Benetti. The podcast's intro music is Gemini by Alki, and our outro music that you're lightly hearing right now is Cautious by Emma Rosa. Both appear on the Untitled Josh cast with permission from the artists. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Untitled Josh cast. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Ooh, I got to be cautious.